0: Hello friends and welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. As always, I'm Tyler and uh, I'm going to keep this intro very, very short today. I want to get just right into the episode. I had a chance to essentially revisit my teenage years and reflect on all of those memories rushing home from school, sitting down with a very unhealthy amount of ramen, and just watching G4's Attack of the Show as soon as I could. I was able to just reflect on that feeling talking to this week's guest. I had a chance to chat with Allison Hayslip, who you may recognize from Attack of the Show as a host. But I was just so glued to this interview. It was a blast chatting with her. We talk about her, you know, her upbringing, how she got into the industry, the fact that she went to space camp for four years. But also, you know, how she just landed these different gigs that would shape her career and what that meant to her it was just truly a pleasure chatting with her and getting to know her story and fanboy out a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I just, I want to get right into it. I want to jump right into the episode so I can stop talking and finally get a sip of this amazing tea sitting in front of me. So without further ado, let's sit down with the amazing Allison Hayslip.
1: Hey, I'm Alison Hayslip, and I am an actress and a host and a, uh, I don't know, all around funny human being, I like to think.
0: <laughs> I mean, you have uh, a plethora of videos on YouTube that will showcase that specific talent. So I think- oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you have nothing to be concerned about.
1: Right. <laughs> but you I never had... know, though.
0: <laughs> like, I had her on the show, and- yeah. Was everything scripted?
1: Because damn, yeah. it just didn't go. <laughs> she just wanted to talk about like math equations and like Please financial do. reports. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do
0: want to I want to know. I, I love starting here. When did you find a like an interest or passion in entertainment or the performing arts? When did that occur for you?
1: Uh, well, well, pr- pretty young, I would say. Both my parents um, are musicians, not by profession, but by passion um and I so I grew up in a very musical household uh so I was you know singing in choirs and things like that in school since in middle school or elementary school I mean uh I was very much into it and then that led me into doing musicals and I did my first musical when I was in eighth grade um, and because I I could sing, uh, I got cast as the the female lead in Fiddler on the Roof, which meant um, me as a fourteen year old was playing you know a forty something year old Jewish woman with six kids. So great casting, but uh, <laughs> but I just remember rehearsing for that show and the acting aspect of it was the first time I had. Uh, encountered something that I felt was a challenge and didn't immediately shy away from it because I had this tendency in school school was I'm one of those bratty people that school came very easily to me I'm a very good by the book student um and so when something wasn't easy I was like oh I don't like it I I don't get it right away I'm scared of it uh and and acting was the one thing that didn't make me do that so that's that's sort of why I, I started like driving forward with that um and then I thankfully went to a very artistically inclined high school. And so I did all the shows there. And we also had a uh, community theater program uh, in my part of New Jersey that did some spectacular shows. And I became a part of that. And so I, I just start, sort of, I, I just like fully launched myself into doing stage production stuff. And, and then, and that's what I ended up going to college for. And then, you know, that, that, that's what launched it all. <laughs>
0: And it's it's an interesting journey too especially you with with you starting it that young and deciding to go to college for it did you have any resistance when it came to your family's support for saying you know hey I Oh I wanna, yeah of I, I course
1: <laughs> my family's like real like cuz the other thing is because I was a really good student I was actually valedictorian of my high school so everyone was like oh Allison's going to be a doctor Allison's going to be a lawyer and I was like Allison's going to be an actress and everyone was like what no what <laughs> Um, and yeah, of course my parents were like, you know, my parents just want me to be okay at at the end of the day. And they were like, well, I don't know, maybe get a minor in something or maybe get a second major, like in something, you know, quote unquote practical. Um, and I, I did take some other classes. I went to Boston college and I did take some other classes and I was like going to do one kind of minor and then switching to another minor, but like nothing just gripped me. Nothing, nothing, nothing kept me passionate about it enough and i had a professor at at bc who was like if you can see yourself doing anything else besides becoming an actor go do that because the only way you will be an actor is if it's the only thing you can do and i was like well yeah that's that's me you know that's 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 who i am
0: so nothing nothing snuck by post-college where you thought maybe you know what a pharmacy tech might be fun.
1: Oh, no, man. I mean, listen, <laughs> I will say chemistry was my favorite subject in school. And I, when I was first applying to colleges, I was sort of debating between, you know, going for the thing I wanted to go for, which was theater, and going for what was quote unquote practical, which was something in the sciences. Um, and it was my uh, AP physics teacher, Mr. Burrow, who was just an awesome teacher who – you know, during I guess you apply for when are you applying for colleges? The beginning of senior year, the end of junior year? I don't know. I'm old now. I forget when we do this. <laughs> Whatever I was applying, he was like, he was like, how? And so like, how is the college applications going? And I and I told him I was like, well, you know, I'm looking at some schools for. It's it, it's hard for me to decide what major I'm declaring because some schools you were supposed to you know declare a major while you're applying. Um, and I was like, you know, because I, I don't know if I want to go for sciences or if I want to go for theater. And he was like, listen, Allison, you're one of my best students. You could definitely go for sciences. He's like, but I see you in the shows. You love being on stage. You have to go do that. And I was like, oh, man, well, if my science teacher is saying this to me, you know, that's that's what I have to go do. So, you know, don't get me wrong. This This industry is hard. So there are moments where I'm like, oh man, maybe it would have been easy to just like, I don't know. I'm not going to say it would be easy to be a doctor, but to get, you know, some sort of like quote unquote normal job that has stability because that is, that's the thing you sign up for when you decide to get into this industry is you're never going to have stability. It doesn't matter how long you've worked in this. I mean, literally, unless you are like George Clooney and even George Clooney made like the best decision by marrying one of the most like, high powered lawyers on the face of the planet. You know, that man married up. <laughs> we just don't have stability in this industry.
0: No, no, not at all. In fact, I yeah. had a conversation with somebody about that yesterday where we thought, have you ever thought about just like throwing your head through a drywall just to see? Yeah.
1: <laughs> all the time. <laughs> But that's the thing too. Like when we get to do it, when we are given the uh privilege of getting to do what we love to do, it's just the best time. And you and it it, it never feels like work. And and that's the that's the privilege we get is having a job that when we do it, it doesn't feel like work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I do want to go back to to when you were doing theater and you you were just embracing this art form. Was there a sense of catharsis? While you were performing, where oh you just, for you know, sure that freedom, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't have been able to tell you that at the time, but after you know, sixteen years of therapy and like realizing why I really like the the clutch of really why I got into acting, um, more because it was a place where I I was a kid with big emotions, and no one knew how to. I was being told I was being dramatic all the time because I had these big emotions and I just felt like odd and weird and like, why don't other people feel this way? And then I got to be on stage and having big emotions was accepted and like, uh, you know, applauded, literally. Um, and so I didn't realize it back then, but looking back, I'm like, oh, I got I got into that because it was, it was actually a safe space for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> it makes sense. Just seeing all these like big Oscar winners and the scenes they showcase are just like, yeah. the biggest uh, meltdown or so you know there's something internal there that they're using and yet right. people still ask them how did you do that? Like, well, I'm a human being.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. Is and how all, I let it out. <laughs> I always say the biggest catch twenty two of of being an actor is that to be fantastic at your job you have to make everything personal. You have to take this script that's in front of you and make it personal to you because the audience will read bullshit if you don't. You know, that's when that's when people don't land. But when people are really honest and truthful and things have become personal to them, you see it and those are the Oscar winning performances. And then the, the flip side of it is you're told to never take anything personally in this industry. And it's like, how can you as a human being like keep both sides of that true inside yourself? Yeah. It's so
0: hard. You know what? We should make a t shirt that says, uh, don't take anything personally. And on the back it says, I will. <laughs> <laughs> just just wear That's great.
1: <laughs> That's perfect. Every actor should get one when they get their side card.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my God. You know what? I, I do want to see. After you finished college, right? You finished, yeah. you know, your degree. Yeah. You're out in the the world now. I am. What was that like for you navigating? Like, okay, this, if you wanted to treat this as a career, what were your right. first steps? Did you have goals in mind? What was that? Well, like? I,
1: I, you know, I've somehow always had impeccable timing. I don't know. I don't try. It just is like, I, I look back and I go, wow, I was really lucky back then. Um, but, so, so my my last semester when I was at BC, I only had to take one more class to graduate. So I was a part time student. So I had all sorts of free time, and so I took an an, an acting class in Boston, like a like a non university class. And via that class, I signed up for a couple of the the small casting directors that are in Boston. And it, mind you, this is in the early two thousands. So it's it, there's like few and far between actual sh- shoots happening in boston um and then i graduated and uh my plan was to come out to los angeles for the summer i have an aunt and uncle who have lived in la i don't know my god f- almost 40 years now or something like that so my plan was let me go live with aunt Lorraine and uncle frank in LA for the summer just so I can check out what LA is like because I always thought I would be moving to New York. I, I was I grew up in New Jersey, you know, went to school in Boston, like I was like I'm doing New York. I'm a New Yorker whatever. And so I was like but I'll check out LA for the summer while I can still kind of get away with living in my aunt and uncle's guest room, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so that was a plan but I wasn't going out there till about 3 weeks after I graduated and th- those 3 weeks in between graduation and when I was going to LA I was back in Jersey and I got a call from one of the casting offices in Boston that was like, hey, can you come audition for this music video Um, It's for this band called Brand New? And I was like, I'm back in Jersey. I don't know if I'm going to drive up tomorrow for and I and I got off the phone with them and I and I was talking to my buddy Jason, um, who was in a band and is a musician. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. They called me to like go audition for this music video, but it's up in Boston. It's this band I've never heard of and whatever. And Jason was like, Allison, you've been complaining about how you have nothing to do right now. Why not just drive up to Boston? Go visit your friends who are still up there. Go audition. He's like, I've kind of heard of this band. They're like a bit up and coming. Like, who knows? Why don't you do that? And I was like, okay, fine. So I called the casting office back and I was like, okay, I'll come up for this audition the next day. So I drive up to Boston. I think I drove straight to the audition. I don't even think I stopped at my friend's place yet. Um, and audition for this music video where literally my audition was like, like turn to the side and like, look over really fast. Like a car is about to hit the car you're in. And like, that was it. But they asked me these questions and they're like, so do you know this band? And I was like, I had never heard of them. I looked them up last night, but I don't know. They seem cool, whatever. And I, and I left, I was just so like nonchalant and whatever about this audition. And then that evening when I'm at my friend's place, I get the call that I've booked this music video. And now I have to go to Vermont for three days. Wait, I can't remember if it was Vermont or New Hampshire. It was one of those two. We, we shot in the woods at night for three days straight with this band. And And the director told me that one of the main reasons I got this job is because I didn't know the band. Because this band already had fans. And he was like, we cannot send someone who is a fan of this band up to spend three days in the woods with them. Like, that's not safe for the band, you know? And so I got the job because I was like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> so it was this music video that called the, uh, the song was called The Quiet Things That No One Ever Knows. And then the album came out like the following week. And this music video was like, you know, the number one video played on MTV. So by the time I moved to Los Angeles, I actually was in the number one music video on MTV at the time that ended up winning some awards or something like that. So I actually like got off the plane and had... I mean, back at the time, it was a DVD. I had DVD copies of this music video that people could see. So I somehow already had like, I won't call it buzz, but some sort of like clout behind me when I arrived in Los Angeles. Um, and I still live here. So that summer that I spent at my aunt and uncle's house, I just I just never left LA. <laughs> <laughs> I just stayed. <laughs> so yeah, so that w- that was the start of it.
0: All, all from a job that you weren't even going to even go audition wasn't gonna for.
1: do exactly. <laughs> I'm still friends with Jason, my buddy from high school, and like I I always thank him. I'm like, you're the reason I went to that,
0: <laughs> oh my God, okay, so yeah. you, you have the buzz, you have the DVD copies. Were you getting you know meetings with agencies for commercial uh, work or? so
1: what so gosh, so to start off, I'm now like, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> um. This is, again, it's all just kind of weird timing. I went to a, a guy I went to college with, found out I was in L.A., emailed me and invited me to go see a play that his acting coach's wife directed. Something like that. So... I go to this with him. I meet his acting coach there and his acting, you know, I'm like, I just moved to L.A. And he's like, well, I'd love to work with you. Let me work with you for a bit. And I was like, yeah, OK, actually, I should probably get into classes and things. So I work with him for a little bit. And then he recommended me to a manager and I met with her um, and I had the uh, I mean, I still have this, but like no one's ever thought I'm the age I actually am. So and when you first move to L.A., if you're over the age of 18, but you can look like a high schooler, that's like a huge uh, benefit because then productions can hire you and not have to, uh, be beholden to, you know, the kids, uh, the break schedules and and their hours and the teaching and all that kind of stuff. So this manager was, was, uh, a children's manager. And she, she, uh, signed me like right away because she was like, Oh, you're, you're over 18, but you still can play like 15 or 16. And then she just started getting me, auditions and she got, she got me at an agency. I forget what my first agency was. Was it, was it Buckwald? (laughs) Maybe this is how long I've been here. I don't even remember anymore. (laughs) You sort of learn that you like pass through so many reps and, and, Mm -hmm. and things like, you know, it's just, if you're, if you're going to be out here for a significant amount of time, it's, it's just part of the process, you know? Um, but yeah, starting with, uh, with Myrna Lieberman, Uh, was my manager's name and she's a wonderful woman Um, but started with her and then she just you know she helped me get my first few jobs
0: and when did uh, when did attack of the show come through because I'm a a little bit younger than you and I remember just coming home from school and just enjoying the (laughs) what two hours of pop culture attack of the show followed by
1: (laughs) x-play or was it the other way around was it x-play followed by attack of the show
0: I think it was the first one
1: yeah, uh, that sounds and, right. A talking yeah, show followed by a yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: How because that I mean, that's essentially, you know, it's it's a hosting gig.
1: Yeah. So I had never hosted a day before in my life. I did not know I could host. I did not have any aspirations to be a host. Uh, I was bartending at the time, you know, like you do when you get out here. I mean, unless for some reason you make your big break within the first two months of living in LA, you're probably getting some sort of other job. Uh, and I was bartending at this great, uh, beer and wine bar that still exists. It's called the third stop and it's right across from Cedar Sinai hospital. Um, but I was there and I had a, uh, one of my regulars who would come in all the time. Uh, this guy, Kenny Goodman, who he worked, he was an agent at William Morris at the time. And he knew I was an actress and, uh, and he kind of like hip pocketed me, which meant that when he saw breakdowns that were. Uh, very specifically for my type, he would he would try to get me an audition. He wasn't he wasn't like actively looking out for me because he he wouldn't he couldn't sign me. I, I I had not nearly enough credits to be at a place like William Morris, but you know he dug me. We got along, and so when something screamed Allison at him, he would see if he could get me an appointment, and he would get me a few appointments, and it was great. Um, and then he came in one night with uh, a buddy of his, um, and it just turns out that this guy. Was, worked in development at g4 and they sat down at the bar and i walked over and kenny's like oh chris you should totally know allison she's a huge nerd and chris was like really and, and kenny's like yeah she plays like video games or something like that and i just remember chris going but you're a girl and i was like yeah and i happened to be wearing i had a nintendo remote control charm necklace uh at that time. And I happened to be wearing it that day. So I was like, I mean, look at my necklace, man. Um, and then they sat at my bar for like two hours, and Chris was just like asking me questions. And that's when I was like, Yeah, you know, I went to space camp for four years. I I took philosophy of Tolkien in college. Like, I'm legit nerdy, you know? <laughs> and and Chris was like, You should be on our network. So he got me a meeting with the head of talent over at G4. Uh, and I went in and had a conversation with her, and then I don't know, maybe a week or so later, they brought me in for a screen test. And I didn't even know what like a screen test was. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know that they in the email that they had sent me that they had actually attached the copy that they had wanted me to read. I showed up knowing nothing and then sat outside the room and looked down and I was like, oh, there's copy here. Uh, And so like read it very quickly before I got called into the room where there was a teleprompter set out, set up for me to read the copy. And I literally walked into the room and went, oh, cool. That's how it works. Because I had never seen a teleprompter before. I mean, I I could not have thrown myself under the bus more. I mean, I literally walked in and was like, I don't know how to do this job. Congratulations. Here I am, you know. And I read the copy. And like two weeks later, they hired me for a field report. They sent me to New York to cover the, the um, DVD release of Live Free or Die Hard. Like Justin Long was my first interview. I mean, you know, I I just sort of was like, okay, here I am. I I, I didn't know this it, it wasn't a phrase that we used at the time, but I realized I was just faking it till I made it, you know, because I I did not know what I was doing. I I was doing my best Ryan Seacrest impression because I did not know how to be a host. I knew how to be an actor. So I I was acting like a host. And for some reason, they just kept sending me on these these field these field reports where I, I, they just put me in these like high stress action situations. Like for the live for your die hard one, like they sent me to a shooting range and I had to go on like a helicopter ride. And then this, the one I did after that was some like stunt show in Vegas where some dude like bounced a mountain bike around my head while I was lying on the floor. And I so just scenarios where you can't, you can't have the mask on. You can't, You can't pretend in those, they're going to, people are going to see who you really are. And I guess that's what took, you know, that's why people liked watching me. It's why the network kept bringing me back. And I finally, this is what I always say. Like I learned how to be a host on live television. You know, I learned how to be a host on that show. And it, it just became, it was just all about becoming more and more comfortable being myself on camera. And as soon as I figured out that trick, which shouldn't be a trick, but it is, you put a camera on anyone, anyone's going to like put a little shine on it or whatever. Uh, But the, the, the more I could figure out just how to like ground myself and be myself on camera, the better I became. And then, you know, I was there for four years.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I remember watching, especially, you know, your, your news correspondence and there was this this natural approach to it that a lot of people who I'm sure auditioned to be a part of that show didn't have because they were putting on this. I'm a host. You were exactly you trying to navigate this. And I was just me being
1: so terrified, reading words on live television like I was going to screw something up. And guess what? The first time I screwed something up, I didn't die. And that's when I went, oh, okay, we like the screw ups. They actually make it more human.
0: And see, like you said, you were in the right place at the right time. You've had all these different launch pads and that went into, what was it? American Ninja Warrior, Battle Bots, And eventually I caught on to Con Man and had no idea you were in it until I got to the episode and went, wait, hold on a second. What is happening right
1: now? (laughs) Well, again, that is another like right place at the right time. I mean, I knew everyone involved in that show. And, um, you know, they had they had reached out they had reached out in some sort of like, we want to get you involved somehow, like some sort of whatever. Um, but that there, I, Oh, I hate that. I can't remember who it was. There was another woman cast in that role. And at the very last minute had to back out. And I got a call from Alan Tudyk on a Saturday or something like that. Um, And while I knew Alan had my phone number, he had never called me before. So I assumed it was a butt dial and I didn't answer it. And then he leaves me this voicemail that's like, hey, we want to give you this role. It starts shooting Tuesday, though. Where are you available? And I was like, oh, I was actually supposed to go to New York for something else. And then I was like, "Nah, I'd I'd rather do this. And then that's how I end up in comedy. Again, I I was just just timing. I was right place at the right time. I'm so happy. That's one of my favorite productions I've ever done. Um, It was just a great experience all around. Uh, and I and I love that people are still discovering it.
0: Oh, it, I didn't discover it until probably early COVID. And then yeah. I found a Blu-ray copy of season one in a pawn shop. And it was just. Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> Man, I don't even think I have a DVD copy of it. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. I, I, I think they had limited numbers that they were selling yeah. or promoted or something. But it was just, it was really cool seeing you in that show, which is an amazing show. and yeah. I, I wish it would come back for, you know, one more season, but. You you've done so much in your career. You've you've built an enormous resume. I just I want to know, like now, where where do you want to go with your career now that you've established Ooh. yourself? Do you have? Well, yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, especially since. um, You know, I used to say that that film was like my ultimate medium, because I loved the idea of knowing your entire arc at the beginning of a project, you know, unlike TV, where you could sign up for a a season and then it goes 12 seasons, you're never going to know where your character goes by that point, you know, but with, with streaming and everything um, TV has just become such a high quality medium. Now it's getting, you know, it's, it's, it's pulling in the, the bigger writers, the, the bigger directors. um, And, and that's mainly due that we're not requiring shows to be 22 or 24 episodes a season. We're happy with an eight episode season. Uh, And so like getting into that sort of premium television world is, uh, is, is my goal now. That being said, you still make more money when you work on network. So I'm never going to knock that. (laughs) But, but, you know, I would, I would love a, like a, like a better call Saul type show or Mr. Robot or something like that. But something that's like dark and gritty and a little weird and a little funny, uh, that, that's, that's my ultimate goal now.
0: Oh, I see it happening. Let's just put it out there. Thank you. Yes. Uh, with your, you know, your experience working with so many talented folks, I really want to see what kind of answer you have for this, but, uh, wondering if you have a party story that you could share with our listeners. So it is essentially something that has occurred, uh, you know, a moment in your life or your career, that stands out so immensely, you would easily recant it amongst friends at a party. Could be Oh
1: at a party. Okay, yeah, it could it. be
0: funny, could be yeah. horrific, it could be <laughs> just life. I was I was trying
1: to think of something that happened at a party, but you mean like a story in the industry that, oh man. <laughs> See, this what is one of those things where I'm camp, like Allison. Yeah. I, I know I have so many of just like what just moments where you're like, I'm sorry, what what happened to you? You know? Um but you know, I'd always say. Just 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 in terms of like learning something like one of the one of the greatest lessons I've learned uh, was when I shot on NCIS, Uh, I was in the season premiere of season 15, I want to say, But I was this like military helicopter pilot. And I was like flying Mark Harmon out of Russia and we get shot down by a surface to air missile and like we crash and then Mark Harmon has to try to save us all. Um, and I end up dying in Mark Harmon's arms. It's like the most epic, like you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna die, you die in the lead of the show's arms. you know, <laughs> um, but Mark was just the kindest, most gracious, wonderful human I've ever worked with. And I don't mean this is an insult to anyone else I've ever worked with because if anyone works with Mark Harmon, they would probably totally agree with me. But I had this scene after we crash where, um, the, like a a tree has impaled the front of the helicopter and is in my stomach. So I'm like rigged up in this thing with this fake tree and all this blood around me. So in between takes, I couldn't get up and walk around. I was strapped into this thing and I had to stay there until we finished filming the whole scene. And in between takes, Mark would look at me to be like, you okay? Do you want water? Do, can I get you anything? And you know, at one point I was like, yeah, actually water would be great. Expecting him to be like, hey, can someone bring Allison a water? No, Mark went over to Crafty and got me a bottle of water and a chocolate bar and brought them back over himself and, like, gave them to me. I was like, that's so – you're number one on the call sheet, you know? Like, he doesn't have to do that. And, uh, and th- that's a show that – I mean, it does run like a well-oiled machine – But as you get later into the week, your call times get pushed, pushed more and more. And, you know, by Friday, we were shooting a 15 hour day. I think we shot until like two in the morning or something like that. Um, But everyone on the set was so chill and so cool and not freaking out and like not complaining about anything because Mark was. And that was the moment I realized. The person who is number one on the set, the, the set lives or dies by that person. Like if that person's an incredible human, like Mark and Mark's not freaking out, then the whole set's cool. But if that person's a diva or, you know, high stress or anything like that, the set feels like that. And that's when I was like, okay, when I'm number one on a call sheet, I want to be, I want to have a cool set.
0: That, you know, you just gave me a really nice image of taking a nap in Mark Harmon's arms. Yes. (laughs) That is the sweetest thing. He would
1: probably let you. Well, and and with that,
0: I mean, that is a wonderful thing to to observe and to take in. Do you personally have a piece of advice you could share with our listeners as well that maybe maybe something you've lived by that is taking you through your career?
1: Yeah. Uh oh man, I could think of so many things right now. But like the thing I always try to do when I show up on set, whether it's a set that I'm a regular on or a set that I'm guesting on, is just having respect for every person, regardless of their job on that set. Some, some people will act like, you know, the second, second, that's an AD job, Uh, you know, that that isn't an important person and you don't have to really listen to them and you're, you want to kowtow to the director or something like that. And it's like, no, everyone's on this set trying to get the same thing accomplished. And you never know. And I don't even mean this in a schmoozy way, but you never know like who that second AD is going to become down the road. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't mean that to be like, so be nice to them because they'll give you a job. I just mean, like, be respectful to all people because you never know when you're working with people again. You know, I what, actually, this is great with Con Man. When, when I shot on um, Superstore, which was probably like two years after I had finished Con Man, I showed up in the entire makeup department and camera department were from, were from Con Man. And I didn't even realize that, but I showed up on set and they were like, "Allison, so good to see you again. And I was like, oh, like I had, I wasn't expecting to walk into that at all, but you know, if I had been a dick on con man, they wouldn't have greeted me like that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, let's make her look like a ghost. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That, no, that, that is a
1: key too. make friends with your DP because the DP is the one who's going to make you look good.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you get the, hey, come to Video Village. Check out this shot. Right, what I exactly. Did.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's
0: so cool. Well, no, I, I absolutely love that. And, and one of the last uh, questions I have for you, if you have anything you would like to uh, give a shout out to or promote with this episode, whether it's uh, maybe a project Ooh. you're, you know, you have coming up or uh, an organization really believe in.
1: Yeah, so I I actually this I had a film that just came out at the beginning of this month called Rebroken. It's a great little indie thriller movie. Um, again, it's something I was cast in two days before they started shooting, (laughs) and it was like in the middle. I think we we shot in uh in like the beginning of twenty twenty one, so it was still very COVID times, and you know a lot of us hadn't worked in a while. So that was one of my first like steps back onto a set um, and it was with this this great crew of guys the director Kenny Gates was awesome uh, and I got to see a screening of it uh, at the very end of last year and I was just blown away by how good it looked. I couldn't because it, it was a very small production um but everyone who was uh, was in it and working on it was so talented and I was looking at this film being like this this film looks incredible. You know, and it's one of those, I you know, because I know the script and I know my part in it. It's it's definitely a movie with a twist. So I'm so curious to think what to, to know what people who don't know the twist think watching it because I was watching it knowing the ending. Right. So I'm like, oh, man, I think this really like shocks people. Yeah. Anyway, that's something that I'd be thrilled for more people to see, especially because it's an indie film and it needs, you know, any films live or die by word of mouth. They we you know there's no there's no marketing budget there's no nothing like that it's just us posting on Instagram and and hoping our friends tell people they like it uh so yeah I would say if 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 people can can go and watch anything right now go check out Rebroken
0: oh I'm definitely watching that nice. that sounds awesome uh, let me know what you think <laughs> oh oh I absolutely will which um yeah I I love independent films especially when it's you know projects like that that really do yeah. surprise you so I I can't wait to to watch that and just Dive in. I assume it's available
1: everywhere, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. It's de- it's definitely on iTunes and Amazon Prime. I know that for sure because I posted about it. <laughs> but oh, I sweet. think it's many other places as well.
0: <laughs> sweet. Uh, well, awesome. I know we're, we're running short. I just want to wrap this up here. Uh. I want to say once again, like, thank you for sitting down and, and chatting with me. This has been a really awesome part of my t- – it's Tuesday, right?
1: Yeah, Tuesday. I don't know. Sure. Had,
0: yeah. <laughs> what The sun is out. This has been a yeah. great time while well, the sun has risen. Uh, no, it's been wonderful having you. I have one last thing to ask you before we finish yep. this recording. And, uh, I'd love to ask you if you've ever seen Wayne's world.
1: Of course I've seen Wayne's world. Thank
0: God. Okay. Uh, so you know, the scene where Wayne leaves the set and Garth is left by himself and he starts muttering and he kind of goes a little crazy.
1: Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it's okay. been a few years since I've seen it, but yes. I do remember.
0: <laughs> well, uh, that is the sort of origin piece for what I like to call an awkward goodbye. So, oh. for the end of every show, I give our guest a silent three, two, one, cameraman countdown, and when I point to you, you just give me your best verbal awkward goodbye, and we Great. will end the show on there. Does that sound awesome.
1: good? Yes. All right. Here yeah. we go. In. Bye. I. I guess. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. We're done. Okay.